Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. Julian has been mining and scouting technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview Ta Brown, CEO of Zone 7, the human uptime company. So Ta, welcome to the show. Hey, Julian, thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Great, so uh, it's great to have you here. So Ta, what I want to talk to you about today is first we'll talk about your background, uh, how you got the idea of launching Zone 7. And then we'll talk about your company, your product, uh, the benefits for teams and athletes to use your, your product. And then we'll also discuss your competitive advantage, your business model, as well as your plan for the next 12 months. How does it sound? Sounds great, Julian. Sounds great. Wonderful. So, great. So, hey, Tal, you know, for the audience and some of the teams that are listening to the podcast, I mean, I'm sure they've heard of you guys, but could you tell us about your background for the audience? Of course. So my background is actually uh, in the data science data universe. I spent a career, um, my 15 years building data science and data engineering platforms in other industries, uh, cybersecurity and enterprise software. And um, I worked both on the technical side and also on the product side, basically how the predictive models interact with humans who need to make decisions. Um, so I did that. Uh, my last job mm-hmm. before this was with Salesforce, working on the AI platform at Salesforce. And yeah. then about five years ago, I founded Zone 7, uh, which was for me a, a new a new domain, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but one that was already being, uh, let's say, uh, uh, um, the data side of that industry has been growing and growing, going back five and six years, and today it's even, mm-hmm. even more. And how, let me ask you this, so, how did you get the idea of building Zone 7? What was the kind of the ha-ha moment for you? Um, so, I mean, for me as a data guy, I look, uh, I look at the universe through like the data, the data prism, uh, basically yeah. asking myself, is there a really interesting, difficult problem to try and attack? Uh, is there relevant inputs? And how would the problem get, how would, how would the model get used in reality? Um, some AI tools yeah. are kind of like auto, automated AI outputs that get used by other algorithms. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're using AI to determine whether to buy or sell stock or how much money a ticket should cost on a, on, on a given game day. Uh, yeah. For me, I really, what I really liked about this universe of performance and injury forecasting and load management is that there's a there's a human expert and he will mm-hmm. continue the, the, the expert will continue to be the center point but yeah. the question i like to ask is can can ai can algorithms help make that process uh, more efficient and more robust um so the aha moment was to just look around and say wow like these humans are they represent a very big financial investment when they come into the sporting organization and Mm-hmm. Any, 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 any marginal gain you can provide around, you know, we can use the term uptime or we can use the term availability. Every, every marginal gain is such a big, big difference maker. Um, yeah. And that's, that, that was kind of like my moment. I was like, okay, this is a really interesting problem. It's really hard to solve from a data perspective. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and the impact is big. Uh, it's, it's it's a huge impact to, to to help reduce the downtime of athletes. Right. No, that makes sense. And and so. Tell me a bit more about your company. Like, how big is your team? Uh, I believe you've got some of your team members in in Israel. I believe I think your CTO is from there, if I'm not mistaken, or your co-founder. Yeah. Can you tell me more about yeah, that? Yeah, we, we we're an international company. We've got uh, folks in, uh, in, uh, in in America, in the United Kingdom, in Israel. Um, yeah. A lot of our a lot of our so basically. You know, like for us, most of the employees are, are data people, uh, data science, mm-hmm. data engineering, pe- people who know how to create predictive models and have done so in other industries. And then we yeah. also have a team of, uh, of people who kind of interface or interact with our clients, typically people from those industries as well. So yeah. you know, football people for football and, um, and, uh, and, and that's like the combination in terms of in terms of size, we're about 25 people, and yep. we've got clients all over the world, uh, North America, UK, Europe. Um, so, you know, sports is really borderless. A lot of startups try and focus on one, uh, let's say, geographical market initially, like North America's, you know, mm-hmm. usually where you go. But, but for sports, you know, you, it's such a global, such a global community that... Um, yep. You know, so- soccer or football, especially, is is, is just is everywhere. So we, we we had to be able to support clients everywhere from the very early days. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, can you tell me a bit more about your platform and how, you know, how teams are using it, right, to try to assess the potential risk of injuries? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, of course. So the idea behind Zone Seven is that um, there are three main kind of workflows in the in the day-to-day lives of uh, of uh, let's call it performance operators I'll use that term yeah. generally to say performance directors strength and conditioning sports science just generally and one of them is to triage triage risk mm-hmm. and understand you know out of the roster who can go 100% and who needs some some kind of change yeah. um, set the second workflow is kind of like um, think about it as like a, um, um, like an investigation, like a forensic analysis. Hey, why is there a red flag here? What happened? Is it biomechanics? Is it sprinting? Is it too much mm-hmm. of something? Maybe it's too little of something else. Yeah. And the third, the third, the third thing is, what do you do about it? Right? How does this risk uh, and context influence what we do today? Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of in our mind, there's three main algorithms that we create. There's risk forecasting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is contextualizing and explaining that risk. And then there is uh, creating options for intervention. Um, the operating premise for us is that people do this job and they will continue to do this job and we're not going to replace them, but we can certainly maybe maybe find ways to be kind of like an x-ray vision for some of the things that are difficult to find. So yeah. teams you so so we have products for teams that are used by teams kind of like on top of the existing tools they have. So on top of the sensors, for movement and biomechanics, and then sometimes on top of the databases and AMSs, and mm-hmm. we help them do these processes very efficiently, and 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 I would say, in some cases, more accurately. Um, the idea is use an algorithm that is le- learned from a very large data set, all the data we've ever analyzed in a sport like like football, and create accurate insights around these three things: uh, risk triage, explaining why and what are the options for intervention so 
in the universe of teams, this is used by teams on a day-to-day -day basis to yeah. plan the next day, to plan the next few weeks, um, and to make, uh, let's say, informed long-term suggestions around either recovery protocols or training protocols. And we yeah. also have some tools that are used by larger stakeholders like, like leagues that um, that help them inform help inform them on long-term strategies whether it's travel or risk management or whatever that is so yep. zone seven is used by teams and, and also by other sporting organizations okay now i wanted to go back to the comment you just made about uh the ems i want to understand how you guys position yourself with ems vendors used by the teams so are you saying that your platform kind of sits on top of ems platforms like it's a kitman or conduct is that correct yeah, I mean, without going to any specifics, um, the way we look at the universe is there is a, a, a variety of tools out there that help create new data. So yeah. there's data from the, the, the cord or the field, you know, the GPS data, the optical tracking data. There's mm -hmm. also data coming in from the, you know, the, the strength and physical assessments, sports plates mm -hmm. and Nordboards and maybe more things like uh, sprint testing and aura rings and, and whatever that is. So there's a lot of data coming in. Mm -hmm. um, every organization is, is needs to deal with that, with the problem of saving, storing, and uh, managing that data. So some yeah. some of them will use an AMS, some of them will use spreadsheets, some of them will use uh, an internal system that could be built on I don't know some BI tool. Yeah. Um, we see ourselves as a layer that is uh, complementary, not competitive mm -hmm. with with uh, with those uh, tools. We're not yeah. an AMS, we don't, you know, but we focus entirely on the AI. So if you have data as a team, mm -hmm. um, and if you have a desire to apply advanced uh, algorithms to that data, creating these algorithms is really hard. Um, teams create algorithms for, let's say, scouting and for talent identification, but yeah. for the universe of, uh, of uh, injury forecasting load management, it's very, very difficult. Uh, one of the reasons is because you don't have a lot of data as an individual team. I mean, you can go out there and buy data about uh, scouting uh, uh, candidates, right? You can go to Opta or StatsBomb or Scout, but data about other other injuries or other training sets or what happens in the gym for other players, you just don't have that. So yeah. um, you have a limited you have a limited data lake. So we see ourselves as a third complementary value add on top of uh, layer one data sources layer two um, uh, let's say database tools and, and and we're 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 you know we focus entirely on ai we're not trying to do anything else yes so you're basically complementary to those other platforms like ams platforms that the team use like you said you know um other tools that they use right to compile the data uh you're trying to make yes. sense of it via ai yeah um correct so now, correct you can right. create your own dashboard in an, in an AMS. You can set up your own uh, rules, right? Your own rules yeah. of acute chronic ratio flags. You can set your own rules on which charts you want to see on the main dashboard. But that's not exactly the same as an algorithm, right? It's not yeah. it's, it's not an algorithm that has learned from all the data possible and is making qualified, calibrated assessments with a quality metric on top of them. Okay. When you have a red flag in, in zone seven, you know exactly how accurate it is. It's not perfect, but you know what you know you know how accurate it is. Understand? Yeah. So I want to kind of follow up on 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 the algorithm. So I just want to understand. So your algorithm are based on teams' historical data. Is that typically the case? 
uh, or what if the team doesn't have any historical data or are they starting kind of brand new? I mean, how do you guys do that? So first off, it's quite rare that the team doesn't have any historical data. Sure. Uh, but if it does happen, yeah, we can start. We can start. So the algorithm has two inputs. One input is the, the team's historical data. It could be even yep. a few weeks, uh, but most teams have a few years. Yep. The historical data of, the, of that team tells us how they train and what their typical game day minus one or two or three cycle is. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives us history about their players and what their, let's say, uh, limits are. Mm-hmm. Um, the other input is anonymized uh, uh, aggregate analytics that we can put together from from other data sources. Uh, so if a team permits us, we will, you know, uh, anonymize and safely redact their data and use those data to, to train a model. So okay. the, we create a custom model for every different team. So the team gets gets a custom model, a custom algorithm, if you will, but that algorithm yep. can learn from from a very big data set. So that's an that's a, that's a unique advantage to this approach that is very hard to replicate when you deal with an in-house solution. Yeah, and I was going to say so I guess more going back to your algorithm, how long does it typically take for the model to get trained on that data from the teams typically? Uh so our business is to be efficient on creating new models. Uh, yeah. you know, um, zone seven is not like a tool where you just send somebody a package with a lot of devices, you know, like rings or, or GPS mm-hmm. men. Uh, we're not like that. We're also not like yeah. a, a BI, a BI tool, right? Activate. We, we need to create a custom algorithm for every client that typically yeah. takes, uh, I mean, it's mostly, it's mostly automated that we have, then we have a manual review process it usually takes a few days, maybe a week. Okay. Um, and the advantage of that, it also allows us to create a validation project per client. So every client gets to see the validation based on their data, not just some case study from, from a, different, a different team that they don't understand. So the first thing we do is we, we, we show a client a validation project based on their data, and that helps to build trust in the accuracy. Yes, I understand. Now, uh, I also know your, your, I guess, your system. If the team has some gaps, right, they're missing some GPS data in the system, you guys are able to kind of fill in the gaps, correct? Yeah, one of the things when you create uh, this approach, the data lake approach, is that the reality is complex, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's complex because of the sport itself. Rugby players going to play somewhere else, coming back. Maybe football players, soccer players playing for their national team and they come back. So you either have gaps in your data or you have data from different sources. Um, or something breaks down, right? Or somebody decides to skip a week on a force play jump. So you yeah. need to deal with these scenarios from a data perspective. It's it's for us. It's not okay to turn off the AI for a few weeks. Like the AI needs to be working. So we had to find ways to create uh, data continuity, um, mm-hmm. and 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 we and we do that. So for example, in football, soccer, when folks go to international tournaments, we can integrate that data automatically. Uh, or when a team switches GPS providers, we can create continuity for them. Um, this was part of what we do uh, because we don't like the team to have zeros in their in their insights for a few weeks until those gaps are filled back. That um, makes sense. But I can also I can also say over the years it's been becoming much like the, the data collection practices of teams have become much better. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, from from a pure data compliance perspective, that um, you know the, the type of issues we're seeing today are a lot less meaningful than we saw a few years ago when we started. 
definitely, I mean, it's definitely getting better and the more they've got more resources, the tools are getting better and they're more, I think, knowledgeable about how to go about, about this whole thing, right? Injury reduction or whatever it's called. Um, now, what, how would you say, how would you summarize, uh, you kind of touched on that, but the benefits, right, for the teams and athletes to use your platform and also what are the most common things that, you know, teams say about your platform and that they like, for example? Uh, so the benefit really is, there's two ways to look at the benefit. The, the more direct way is to say, you can get the job done faster. Yeah. The process of look, looking at dashboards for 15, 20 players every day um, and investigating specific areas in those dashboards, that takes a lot of time. And, yeah. you know, one benefit is time saving. Uh, the other benefit is it's, it's more, let's say it's less vulnerable to human error. Mm-hmm. Uh, an algorithm with a very clear indication of accuracy is uh, is an approach that, in a way, complements the human analysis. Uh, so, uh, you know, it it, it it helps, I wouldn't say eliminate all errors, but it helps create more uh, psychological safety and security for the operator. Um, mm-hmm. So those two things are purely about the workflow. It's faster, and I would say it's more robust. Um, the other benefit is, again, it, this is a science approach. So the scientists out there need to evaluate our evidence based on their evaluation of the evidence, just like they would on any research paper about a new method. We mm-hmm. have seen scenarios where we have high accuracy in detecting injuries retrospectively, which is a retrospective approach. And also we have seen many cases where when the stars align and the product is deployed well and the operators mm-hmm. are able able to incorporate it, we have seen reduction in uh, in time loss to injury uh, over time. Um, let's remember there is a human element here. People will sometimes override what we suggest for good mm-hmm. reason. Uh, yeah. But we have seen evidence. We have seen evidence that when the product is used and when the stars align, there is a meaningful reduction to downtime. And 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 I. And I I don't want to. I don't want to overstate this because it's it's up to the operator and scientist to look at our case studies and make up their own mind. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, like I was just uh, we're just doing a podcast on uh, you know with some teams like the ADFC and other other teams about rehabilitation, return to play, and and also I got a friend in the NBA who told me, hey, look, there's been occasions where we kind of have a plan or we have a diagnostic of specific players, but then sometimes the coach or maybe the GM it's kind of is gonna is gonna step in and say, look, I want this guy to be back in the field right now, right? Uh, or if let's say if you have a system that says, look, there's a potential risk of injury, sometimes the head coach might say, look, I want this guy to play, right? And so, uh, you know, the two might say something like, hey, there's a potential risk, but at the end of the day, if the head coach or maybe a GM steps in, it's it's kind of hard to go against those decisions, right? Yeah, it's exactly right. Like nobody's going to run a team based on, you know, uh, advice from the cloud, but it's not going to happen. Um, some of our clients, and you asked me about how, what clients like about it. Uh, I, I don't want to speak for my clients. We have a, a website full of case studies and testimonials, but some of them like the, they look at zone seven as a virtual member of their team. So in the morning when there is a, the MDT, the multidisciplinary team, right? The performance and the medical and the data and the coaching staff get together to look at you know, to look at uh, readiness and, and risk, Zone 7 acts as, a, as, a, as another team member with advice or with information that you can kind of like treat as an objective assessment. It's not always going to be true, 
but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of based on a on, on a specific approach. So, you know, just like any human conversation, sometimes you accept that opinion, sometimes you override it. There is no there's no right or wrong here. Um, we don't aspire to understand the tactical needs at the time, uh, but we do aspire to understand the, let's say, the physical risk um, that the player is kind of experiencing right now. So it's kind of like using a more, you know, you're going to make a decision, but, you know, having input from a calibrated risk assessment tool um, or a risk forecasting tool is, uh, um, is valuable. And the other thing it's valuable is we also generate options to consider an intervention. These are, mm-hmm. these are very easy to, like, these are there, like we create them. So the process of understanding risk is one thing, but the process of generating specific changes, load management changes, is very, very hard, right? Okay, like we could agree that there's risk, but what's the remedy or what's the action? Should right. we reduce the vo- Should we reduce the volume of sprinting? And if so, by how much? By mm-hmm. 20%, by 40%, by, by 80%? Maybe the risk is because the player is not exposed enough. So we need to add more exposure. But And, and then again, by how much? So Zone 7 creates... Uh, ready uh, uh, pro- uh, options to consider rather than asking the practitioner to uh, kind of like, you know, estimate that manually. So together, it's a pretty powerful combination. I understand. Um, now, and you kind of touched on that, but how would you summarize, would you say, your competitive advantages out there against maybe some other solutions? Um, it's a good question. Look, um, again, like, I'm biased to the way that I look at this universe. Um, the category of AI tools that specialize in human performance that are deployed in teams and leagues, I don't see a lot of other case studies out there that have an open review of this is how we create a model and this is the results we have. And this is what happens when we repeat it for team one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 in basketball and whatever, soccer and, and American mm-hmm. football. I, I don't see those out there by other companies. So it's hard for me to create a benchmark on, oh, zone seven is accurate here and somebody else is accurate higher or lower. So I just don't see those case studies out there. Um, and ultimately from a science perspective, that's that's what I would like to imagine folks look at when they make a decision. So okay. I think we're quite, I think we're quite unique. Uh, we're certainly unique in that we're not adding AI to hardware or to, you know, databasing or to AMS. We're just focusing on this entirely. Now, sometimes I use the uh, the metaphor from financial markets, right? Like we're like algo mm-hmm. trading. We don't do we don't do anything else. We just help with the algorithms. It's it's not a great metaphor, but um, it does communicate that like this is all we do, right? We don't deal with any any other problems. Uh, we're not trying to solve any other uh, any other challenges. Just just yeah. these algorithms and how to create the most accurate one for every client. Now, are your algorithm also. Um adjusted based on the sports whether you're dealing with a soccer team a basketball team a hockey team or a football team yes yes absolutely we don't mix like when we create an algorithm we basically create an algorithm a specific version of it for the specific team uh it leverages data from that same sport so rugby data doesn't go into soccer uh But even even within the soccer universe, there is no soccer algorithm. There is a cut algorithm that has been built for a specific team using that team's data as well as learnings from other 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 environments that are similar. Uh, so we don't like to say we have a soccer or basketball or hockey algorithm because that you know there's always a trade-off between 
going too personal there's a lot of like personalizing too much creates a lot of work but it's also the most accurate way so we kind of optimize for accuracy and for trust yeah that makes sense now could you tell me a bit more about your business model right so any team who's listening uh you know what's the i guess the price range or what's the model for you guys yeah so on the team you know, the, the, we, we create large kind of bespoke projects for non-teams, so for uh, leagues and and, yeah. and and bodies like that. For the teams, we basically have a SaaS model. So, you know, we sign a contract and then the client pays us annually. And mm -hmm. we have usually, we have three three types of contracts. One contract is to focus on what we call the audit. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we will we will help you learn from your data historically. So we will create a report for you to learn from last year any load management patterns that we find, um, any injury risk patterns we find, and then we kind of recreate that uh, continuously. Yeah. Um, we also inc include in that package what we call the data integrity package. So we will scan your data every single day for any issues, and we will tell you if you are missing something, if something broke down, if the values change, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Second package is our app and the daily load management. So this looks into the future. It looks into this, the next day, the next two days, the next couple of weeks, helps you plan. Um, and it changes every single day. So every time somebody gets off the field and if every time somebody does a test, we, we have fresh information for you. Okay. And the third package is a little, is, is usually more for the bigger teams, which is, which includes kind of like custom research and, you know, a lot more personalized, high touch uh, projects. Like a team would like to research something about their pitch type or the altitude they train in or um, specific travel patterns that affect them. So th those kinds of projects are a little bit more, I would say, custom and high touch. But, but essentially, it's a it's a it's a it's a platform like just like you, you, um, you know, uh, SaaS platform, just like a lot of others. Yeah, understood. Uh, now, last question is, uh, what are your plans for the next 12 months? Are you looking to raise some money? Are you keen to expand into new leagues, add new features, maybe adopt, maybe chat GPT a bit more? I mean, what, what are your guys' uh, plan for the for the next 12 months? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with a negative. I don't think we're going to be adopting chat GPT soon. The reason is um, chat GPT is great for some scenarios, right? Sometimes it's like generic. So you could have, I think chat GPT would do a good job as a, as a general physician, right? As a family mm -hmm. doctor. But this is very, 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 very specific um it's also very very specific to a team right like you can't like if a team has a specific way of training on game day minus two everything you tell them about that needs to understand that it's a very very specific context mm -hmm. also chat gpt is not really about forecasting it's more about generating the next few sentences or words mm -hmm. it doesn't include ex it doesn't include explainability it's very hard for chat gpt to tell you I picked this sentence because of these factors. It, it's not part of the chat GPT architecture. Whereas yeah. in our universe, if you just give practitioners right, red, yellow, green with no context and why, then they're not going to like this. Um, so, so I don't think we're going to do that anytime soon. Our plans yeah. as always is to con continue to grow. Um, our soccer product is going very, is growing fast. We have American football products growing and we're also doing more work with teams, uh, sorry, with leagues and governing bodies, which is, uh, taking off quite nicely. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, fundraising is something that in the startup universe, you're always, uh, you know, you either have two hands on that wheel or just one, but you never take take your hands off that. Uh, off that. And then also, Julian, we'll see you in November. Uh, That's which right. Which is an important, 
an important day for us on the calendar, and we look forward to 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 being actively engaging with your community. So uh, well done for you to create such a wonderful uh, home for 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 the audience. Um, very very unique and, and much appreciated. You and I spoke a long time ago when you were still uh, uh, in the early days of designing this, and yeah. unbelievable how how nicely you've executed. So so well done. Thank you. Yeah, and I, in fact, without that kind of disclosing our future plans, but we're looking, we're already working on the 2024 events. So expect to get some, some similar events in Europe, as well as in the States with some other cities. So uh, I, I can brief you on that offline, but yeah, thank you very much for your comments. So look, we, we are at the end of the, the podcast, but I want to thank you for your time today and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the audience, for listening and uh, open to any questions and feedback as always, please uh, reach out to me. Thanks. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.